Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Welcome. Great to be here with you. It is the 12th of the 12th. I don't think it's quite the 12th day of Christmas, though. No, I think think the first day of Christmas is Christmas Day, and so then the 12th is like the 4th or the 5th. There you go. Well, we have our AusBiz Advent calendar up online every day, a stock pick for 2024 for you. But um, I think we should talk about this day. We should. What a great day. All 11 sectors higher today. Three-month high, I think, on the ASX 200. The SIBO there up by half of 1% and really powered by these tech players I and mean, of course we're waiting for this inflation data out of the US a lot of focus on bond yields um, but a lot of our tech players have been rallying and that sector up by two percent yeah really interesting to see tech lead the charge I just thought in light of your comments about inflation worthwhile checking in on US futures both S&P 500 e-minis and Nasdaq e-minis mildly positive right now so our themes Juliet um, we've got the Aussie dollar. Yeah, I think I think Andrew asked someone um, where they were when the Aussie floated, and and the guest was was not with us <laughs> at that time. But I think everyone on this desk was um, when the Aussie was floated, although we were children. Yeah. Um, but certainly the 40th anniversary of the Aussie floating. I was talking earlier to John Noonan from Thomson Reuters, saying, "Look, the Aussie's having a good day on its birthday." And uh, we also, of course, heard from the RBA governor today. Yeah, and I will say John Noonan was around. When he was the Aussie as well. Was <laughs> Love you, John. All right. Uh, we did hear from Michelle Bullock. We'll talk about that. Um, we got a read on consumer confidence. I had a good chat with Justin Smirk from Westpac. It's not that we're feeling confident. It's feeling, it's we're, like we're, less we're feeling gloomy. less pessimistic. Yeah. There, less pes- pessimists out there. I had a good chat with him about what to expect from the jobs data on Thursday as well. I just posted that online. You can go and listen to that interview. Hot tip, I'll give you the short form. You want to look at hours worked and the underemployment reads. Mm. And that kind of flows through into what Michelle Bullock was saying too. She doesn't think that we're behind the curve there in terms of, of what we've been doing with our uh, monetary policy. Let's have a look at some of the, the sectors. We mentioned IT leading the way. Uh, WiseTech zero up by 4.2%. I think it might have been, if not the top performer, one of the top performers okay. today. Yeah, we'll, we'll detail that in just a bit. As per usual, once we see the last of the day's trades come through the ASX, consumer staples looked good as, as well. I was at Woolworths at about 7.30 this morning. Oh. Julia, and I thought, I was actually surprised how many people were there. And you know what they were sold out of? Candy canes. I was there to get oh. some um, little sweets for my kids to take into school. Didn't work out for me there. Well, guess the person who doesn't have children. I didn't even know Woolworths opened that early. <laughs> um, let's have a look at healthcare stocks. CSL uh, up by eight tenths of one percent. I mean, it's incredible that it is risk on even these defensive players today. Um, so we are seeing very good moves across the space and uh, the REITs as well also in focus. Yeah, we've got an interview up online. One of our guests uh, joined us and talked about three REITs to buy for 2024. That's been a lot 
lot of the conversations are about right now. You know, looking back on 2023, looking ahead to 2024. Um, look, one tech company. Uh, Aussie Broadband has been around for 20 years now, speaking of anniversaries. Mm, you were just speaking to And him. yeah, I had a good chat with Phil Britt. He was just wanting to touch base, talking about, you know, what they've done in 2023. The Symbio acquisition was one such thing. And then we also talked about what to expect for 2024. So that will be up online shortly as well. We can lose the REITs there if you're not uh, getting the message <laughs> to talk about some of these corporate stories. Today. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's talk about these now. Um, Sigma Health, of course, agreeing to raise $400 million in entitlement. Uh, this is at, uh, I believe, 70 cents per share. And uh, it was well, actually, isn't Sigma Health, it's all about the, the tie-up with Chemist Warehouse. So anyway, yeah. it is at 76 cents. Inside Tech Pivot uh, just edged up. We've had a new chief executive named there. We already talked about those, um, you know, those big tech stocks and the moves there. Zero, that's a pretty pretty punchy move. Um, we'll ask our guest about what he thinks about that one. And uh, yeah, Charter Hall making a couple divestments there as well. Indeed, and that was the stock of the day, Charter Hall Retail REIT. We had Jess, Amir, and Mark Morland, I think, yeah, speaking we did with Koshi. Invest. Yeah. That's negative 8% a year over the last five years. So sales, revenue, right. has been going down slightly. That's not encouraging. Right. Because then okay. obviously, how do you get earnings growth unless you're running more efficiently or you're actually extracting more profit for every dollar of revenue? And right. that's negative. So that to me would be negative as well. Right. Okay. But overall, the return on equity has been, um, so return on capital is 2%. Return on equity 3%. It's woeful. Okay. We don't want at least 10. Right. So we wouldn't touch it. Okay. I do love a property company. I do yeah. love a developer. I would prefer um, industrial exposure, not right. office, not retail. And then the other part of the business that is attractive to some, um, the instos who hold it, they're pretty much holding it for that for that yield. Yeah. Like I, I mean, apart from having some property in the portfolio, you're getting a bit of a yield there, but it's only like six percent grossed up. It's yeah. about seven. So I don't really think it's that compelling. I would prefer to wait and see, you know, the RBA to go, hey, white flag, right. interest rates, interest rates can be cut. Um, and then that'll be a tailwind for the retail space. And I should say, Juliet, the other thing we're talking about all the time is interest rate cuts yeah. for 2024. Um, your mate, Craig James from Comsec, oh, joined yeah. us with some of the big calls for 2024. <laughs> I just put that online as well. And I kind of pushed him and he gave us a range for the S&P ASX 200 by June of next year as well. Mm, indeed. All right. Well, let's get his take. Martin Crabb, of course, joining us here from Shore & Partners. Uh, your view on what we see, particularly as we heard from uh, Michelle Bullock today once again. Yeah, it seems like she's killing the last interest rate bear by saying that they're not behind the curve on, on inflation, they're not chasing their tail. They think they can get uh, inflation down and still hang on to the employment gains, which is the, you know, it is the time of year for mythical creatures like, you know, reindeer that fly and <laughs> stuff like that. So we may, as well have a soft, about? we may as well have a soft landing, which is the other great mythical creature uh, of the market. So... You know, the, the futures market saying, well, OK, not only do they not have to raise rates anymore, we're now looking at a series of cuts. So every um, cash futures market in the world looks like this, except Japan. Um, I think the ECB is expected to cut 125 points, the Fed 100, 
And if you look there, um, we're getting into maybe 50 points by December. So from 4.35 down to down to under four or around about four. So, you know, the market's shifted dramatically. So just in a month, we've gone from having a hike to having a couple of cuts. Mm. Look, who am I to argue with interest rate futures? However, <laughs> um, what that also implies, though, is, you know, tough economic times because you don't necessarily need to cut rates unless things are going pretty poorly. Yeah. But we have this jobs read on Thursday. And we're yeah. in this position where we are seeing interest rate expectations and interest or inflation waning, but we still do have this strong jobs market. So how did those two marry up? Yeah, I mean, we've got a massive amount of immigration, which is going to loosen up the job market. And if you look at forward leading indicators, Nadine, job ads, if you look at either the SEEK or the old ANZ job ads, they're coming down quite, quite sharply. So there is definitely a, a softening of the labour market. And that's driven by labour supply. It's still a pretty strong economy. So, you know, but I think there's enough evidence that inflationary pressures are coming out and inflationary expectations are coming out that just remember we're at tight levels of interest rates Mm -hmm. now. So we have tight policy. So do we need tight policy going to next year? No, we don't if we're already getting the gains that we're seeing in in inflationary expectations. So we're going to go back to neutral. So we're going to have this debate all next year about what neutral is, Mm -hmm. what's R star or whatever you want to call it. And I think it's lower than where we are. It's definitely lower than five and a half in the States Mm. and and the UK. Whether it's lower than four in the EU or 4.35 in Australia is probably a bit more debatable. We're definitely going to get overseas central banks leading us lower. You mentioned their arrivals, and I know you're talking about migration, but when you look at tourist arrivals, what are you seeing there? Because I think IATA said at the height of the pandemic, it would be 2024 when we saw proper growth coming back. We're almost there. Do we still like transport stocks? Yeah, look, I I think there's still more runway, pardon the pun, but, (laughs) you know, the ABS, uh, you know, departure and arrival stats come out every every uh, fourth Tuesday. It just happens to be, you know, when I'm on here. So it's good every every yes. month I get to talk about this. So if you, if you add up all of the arrivals for the past 12 months, you're looking at about 17.5 mil. If you look at the peak pre-COVID, it was about 21.5 mil. So we're still 20% below the peak COVID level. But if you tr- if you do a trend from sort of 2003 through to 2019, we should probably be at 24 million mm-hmm. arrivals because our population is growing, the global population is growing, et cetera. So that, that makes us 25 to 30% below where we should be. So obviously Sydney Airport's already complaining they don't have enough slots yet. So we are going to hit some capacity constraints in terms of some of the infrastructure, but it's very good news for travel agents and anyone to do with, uh, with aviation or, or domestic transport because all those people are going to come here and spend money, which is mm. great. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm thinking of themes for 2024 as well. Obviously yep. the theme has been... Well, it's had dominated some of the conversation again because yeah. this wasn't just a pure 2023 thing, but the price coming under a lot of pressure. There are 67 companies that either produce or explore for lithium listed mm. on the ASX. So yeah. it matters what happens to the lithium price. What's yeah. your view? Yeah, look, it's it's been massively overbought, probably now massively oversold. It is on anyone's projection, we're short of this material heading into any sort of decent EV penetration. But like a lot of these things, you get this incentive pricing. So the price of lithium hydroxide went over 120 bucks a kilo, which you can see the black line on the right-hand scale of that chart uh, about a year ago. And, and obviously anyone 
with a bit of dirt with had lithium in it, which is the fourth most common element in the world. So mm. there's no shortage of it. Um, anyone who had a little bit of dirt on that, and, and in fact, you had a guest on just before who had had found some lithium in yeah, Zimbabwe. In Zimbabwe so, right? yeah. so, so every man and his dogs who's got lithium has gone out and raised some money to explore it. So you add all that together, there's a lot of supply coming onto the market. And, and that at the same time is that a lot of people are saying, look, this EV penetration rate of 50% by 2030 in the Western world is not going to happen. It's just, it's happening too slow. So people have wound back demand and wound up supply and every investment bank's cut their lithium price forecast. So a lot of people who've raised money or are late to the party are probably going to miss out. But there's some really world-class, low-cost um, Australian lithium deposits, which will do quite well. So we think, you know, you probably want to lean, start leaning into this sector at this time because I think the long-term fundamentals still look attractive, but you're just going to have to wear some some downside volatility as the market comes back into balance. And you know, without looking at your crystal ball, but when do we start to see potentially a, a proper balance there if lithium goes into deficit and we start to see more penetration into EV because the higher interest rates have seen people go, oh, why would I buy an EV? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I think I think we're pretty close to that point where everyone's rebased their demand forecasts. And probably, I think there is some some high, uh, some low grade material that's come onto the market at these higher prices, that supply is going to come out of the market and we're going to go back to the low grade. I mean, we had a similar thing in iron ore. When the iron ore price shot up to 250 bucks, a whole bunch of low cost, low, um, low grade, high cost deposits came onto the market, the price collapsed and then that material went out of the market. So we're probably going to see a pretty choppy six to nine months while that high grade stuff goes out of the market. Mm. And then we'll see, we should see the price rebase. But the share prices will probably move before that. But it does seem to be a seller's market. Most of the small cap managers I talk to are still are still short lithium. Mm. Uh, but they think the best gains have already been made, obviously. Mm, interesting. I'm going to be a bit of a bully because I'm, I don't know if I'm going to have a chance to speak with you before, Chrissy. So um, you're positioning portfolios yeah. for interest rate cuts next year. Does yeah. that mean that you add growth? Yeah, so we're still worried about a recession, right? So we think rates might come down, but rates will come down because the economy is going to be weaker than people think. And that's the only reason they would come down. So we're still playing the quality growth end of the market because we think there should be a reasonable rally in duration, i.e. in long-term bonds. So that'll put the PEs of stocks up. So when you have a day like today, when all the growth stocks seem to go up for no reason, it's just because people are thinking of, of interest rates being lower and bond yields being lower, and therefore I can pay a bit more for my Altium and my Zero and my Dominoes and these sorts of stocks. So we're still hiding in those names. There are sort of late cycle, I'm not sure how bad the economy is going to be, but I know rates will be lower kind of play. And then as the year progresses, and this is where we have to be really cute, we buy cyclicals. So once we start to think the, the central banks are going to be cutting rates, we're going to start thinking about what that what that means for domestic consumption, home building, these kind of things. So I think a lot of people have this in their playbook. They're avoiding the cyclicals mm. for the first half of the year, uh, and then they're going to lean into them in the middle of the year. We're probably in that camp as well at the moment. That wasn't me being bullied. I'm sorry, I'm pushy at oh, all. I'd like a name, please. You're, you're so if you're talking travel and transport, yeah, yeah. you're talking lithium. Yeah, I've please. already I've already done a stock of the year. Do you want me to? I'll do it again. <laughs> what was Qantas? Qantas, oh, right? Yeah, so the stock everyone loves to hate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know just think that that travel thematic is a lot stronger than people think. Okay. I think the, the fares will come down, but not as dramatically as people think, because underlying demand is very, very strong. Yes, there come a massive cap, capex spend. We know that. They've got to they've got to put new 
planes in the air and they've got to put new lounges because the, the lounges are pretty cruddy, right? So they need to spend some money. But I think new board, new management, new planes, new lounges, it's on five times earnings. It's like it's a steal just by Qantas. Okay. Yeah. I have to say, coming from like the nice Qantas lounges overseas to then the domestic ones where you're like, great, I get some, you know, cheese that's a bit stale and... A yeah, and frayed people. carpet and all sorts of things. Yeah. Everybody's saying, at least you have lounge access. I know, I know, I know. I'm being first world problems here. Martin, thank you as always. Always Martin a pleasure. Dry. Thank have you. Partners. I mean, you live overseas for 10 years, come home. <laughs> yeah, you better you, have you, lounge You pretty much get it pretty easily, I have to say. All right, let's have a look at the after close leaders and laggards. Zero, we mentioned, is the top mm-hmm. performer, up 4.2%. Tillich's Pharmaceuticals, well, actually, it's the top performer, up by almost 5%. And Costa Group, Dexa, Silver Lake Resources is all looking good. Yeah, Costa Group, I guess, um, picking itself up off the mat after this time yesterday when it put out a bit of a trading um, update, which was a downgrade. So there you go. What a difference a day makes. Looking at some of the laggards today. Look, Linus as well, earlier in the week, was talking about um, its um, Malaysian operations and also getting production coming through from its Cal... Uh, it's not Calgary. Anyways, Kiwana, whatever it is in WA plant, but down by 4% today. I'm not seeing any news associated with that. I wonder if IDP education and some of those plays are just in relation to some of the crackdown on um, you know, international students that are coming through and government policy right now. Yeah, let's look at the small caps leaders. Um, this is where I defer well, to you. Well, <laughs> I, I was on air earlier today. I don't see any news associated with Plenty. I don't even it's know what Plenty is. What is Plenty? Percent a lender. Ah. Um, people in, again, I said a viewer has been asking about this one um, quite persistently lately. And uh, again, I'm not really sure of why we're seeing it up today by 7%. Can't see any news really. So that's what happens sometimes in the small mm. to mid cap part of the market. Uh, flipping the page to look at some of the laggards today. And it's just sort of this lithium players as well. Yeah. Yeah, of these resources plays. Appin, I mean, uh, just referencing Craig James again, he was talking about Appin in, in relation to AI. Mm. Uh, look, whether or not it is is always a big question, but it is one of the most beleaguered sort of tech companies listed here in Australia. All right. Well, of course, it is about inflation in the U.S., the Consumer Price Index. The FOMC starts their two-day meeting as well. And then the NFIB Small Business Optimism Index. But, you know, it's really going to be about this inflation print and what the Fed or how they see that and, and then, of course, what that means for what they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, we're expecting to see inflation wane, but, um, you know, it's a very data-rich week, I think is the saying. And so there is the opportunity for volatility through this overnight period, um, you know, and then we get to what's happening uh, here tomorrow. So that looks very focused on the overseas it's session. Wednesday but tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So we'll wait till have, Thursday for us. We will have, uh, I guess that's here though, some AGMs for GMG and is that Origin? Yeah, that's Orica, Orica. and uh, Goodman Group. <sighs> Lucky I preface the fact that I've been away for a long time. Forgotten all my ticker codes. You are one smart cookie. <laughs> ticker codes are the least of our worries. All right, um, let's round it out, shall we? Everybody likes us to just repeat what's happened with the market here today. Final figures are in up by half a percent, 7,235. 
for the good old S&P ASX 200. And all sectors high. When I was looking earlier, energy was a little lower, although it might be a bit flat now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it looks like every sector is is higher today. So good gains from IT and consumer staples. Print it, all right? And then uh, hopefully we can get some gains coming through for the remainder of the week as we make our way toward, you know, it's hard to believe the end of the year already. Yeah, indeed, halfway through December. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.